You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Alex Honnold once said that being in Black Diamond's solution harness feels like home. And that's either a ringing endorsement from one of the best or a desperate cry for help. The royal we here at the Enormacast is just going to assume it's the former because the latter is quite complicated. And besides, we climb in a solution too. Not a sport harness or a trad harness. It's the one harness that stays in my pack for everything because it's comfy and svelte without all the extra muckety muck. I mean, really, what's a full strength haul loop actually for? Anyone? Anyone? Neither Smoot or Holly can tell you why you'd ever want 2,000 pounds hanging off your ass while you're climbing. So feel like you're home in a cleanly designed, comfortable solution harness from Black Diamond. And check out all their soft goods at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite retailer. Black Diamond, a proud sponsor of the Enormacast. La Sportiva presents Storytime. There once was a little boy named Tommy Caldwell. One day, little Tommy decided he wanted to climb a really big wall but he couldn't find any shoes to climb the big wall in. So he decided to build his own out of scotch tape, fluffernutter, and a used pair of hand jammies left behind by a couple of euros in Camp 4. When those didn't work, Tommy called the adults at Sportiva and asked them for help. Sportiva came up with the TC Pro, named after little Tommy himself. A shoe so good at big wall climbing that little TC grew up to climb the hardest, biggest big walls in the world in his TC Pros. Then he talked his best friend, teeny tiny Alex H, into trying them, and Alex, well, he became a pretty good climber too. So if you want to be like TC or Tiny A, go to Sportiva.com or your favorite mountain shop and check out a pair of TC Pros, and maybe someday you'll grow up too. The end. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing them with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Gluce. It is about 9.30, uh, May 31st, 2018. Getting this one in under the wire for the two-a-month rule, the loose rule, the mostly rule I keep. Anyway, I've been out living life. That's why this one's running late. I've been living life, sucking the marrow. By doing what? Well, I went and climbed El Cap again after 12 years. Uh, just uh, completed an ascent last week, and that's what this one's about. We've recorded a bunch of stuff up there, and I'm not sure what you'll think of this. It's a little bit of an experimental podcast, it's a little bit of an experimental Enormacast. I was up there with my friend Steve Dilk, who was uh, been a 
couple time guest on the show. One of the guys I go to Lander with every year, along with some other climbing adventures. Him and I went up there to climb the Golden Gate in whatever style we could. And it turned out to be less stylistic than I hoped, but uh, that's all in the episode. So for you critics, it's another one that's a lot about me, another one in a row. So you can just toss May 2018 into the garbage and skip ahead if you need to. We'll be back talking to the other folks in the next couple of weeks sometime. Also, I'm going to skip the outro because it's kind of long. So hope you enjoy this one and don't forget to check your knot. <laughs> it's that easy it's working yeah there it is oh cool <laughs> well glad it has juice after hauling it all the way up here yeah totally no it's been it's been a little brick in the in the haul bag <laughs> it's necessary though you know i'm a content creator that's right yeah <laughs> so we're um this is day three on our adventure up el capitan or four really if you can count our the free blast day. Our free blast day. No, it's day three with the free blast. We've only been we've only been up here two days. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, the uh, we're in California. I'm here with Steve Dilk, a fan favorite on the normal cast. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, you have the numbers. I don't know. <laughs> fan favorite. Somebody was like Dilk. Love the Dilk. Love the Dilkster. <laughs> Um, we're on El Cap Spire. The idea was that we would make, so we would do a little bit of recording every single day. Um, but the first couple of days were rough and we, uh, ended up late nighting it on the bivy <laughs> and just being like, eat, go to sleep, um, have midnight leg cramps, <laughs> um, right. Do some calisthenics in the middle of the night to try to alleviate my groin cramp from from hauling. Uh, stuff like that. So it's uh it's a lovely morning on the El Cap Spire on the South Day Wall slash the Freerider slash Golden Gate slash Bermuda Dunes. What else comes up here? Probably some other obscuro line comes in from the other other side, right? right? be my guess anyway um yeah so we didn't get our first couple days of recording um but here we are on el cap after uh 12 long years for me and the first time for steve right that's correct yeah yep on the big stone living the dream living the dream how long have you dreamed of being on el cap steve that's a good question chris uh i can't help but think i probably saw climbers in like a nat geo climbing it long long ago and just mm-hmm. being completely awestruck and uh confused as to how it was even done right. you know it's always the same questions everyone always has not, how do you survive the, the, the people below right right so i don't know 25 years probably yeah, yeah. oh wow yeah how old are you 32 Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You've been dreaming of it since you were seven. Yeah, I mean, I've always... <laughs> you look at it and you're like, I wanna, I'd want like to do that. I, really? You know? Yeah, oh, for sure. When I was seven, I wasn't thinking about stuff like that. Oh. 
I was like, oh, look at my penis. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe not seven. <laughs> Since I was a young lad. What's that thing? <laughs> um, that's a little. Anybody who has little kids, little boys. That's what you're obsessed with from about then till well till you die. <laughs> and in fact, this is just an extension of that obsession: right. climbing El Cap. <laughs> It went right somehow. to Freud, huh? It's still, yeah, it's still somehow an extension of some sort of penis obsession. Um, yeah, so we drove out to California via Bakersfield and the Buck Owens Crystal Palace, where we uh, we stopped to see uh, country music star Buck Owens, is who's who's now uh, superstar. Yeah, su- he was a superstar, yeah. and uh, his theater in Bakersfield. Um, and uh, Buck Owens, who's who's passed, but uh, his theater still rages on, and so we stopped there and saw that. What else did we do on the way out? Ooh, uh, not much. Not much. Really. Yeah, yeah, we, we just, just kind of hauled out here. I mean, it's worth mentioning that it's a pretty awesome destination. The if you like rhinestone suits yeah, and old guitars, you'll mm-hmm. be pretty stoked. Well, we were listening to another podcast that's kind of gotten some traction lately called Rhinestone, no, Cocaine and Cocaine Rhinestones, and, yeah. uh, who uh, Tyler, what is it, Tyler something Co. Anyway, check it out. He's got a season out, and it's all these great old country music stories. And he's David Allen Coe's uh, son, so he has some inside knowledge about all this stuff that went on. Um, but we'll give a little shout out to his podcast because it got us through down the miles. We kind of binged on it a little bit. We actually kind of just retraced the steps from Vegas because we stayed in Vegas mm-hmm. of all these original country and western stars. Yeah, from LA, which right. we didn't really realize. I guess I knew there was like a Bakersfield thing happening because uh, like Dwight Yoke comes from there and stuff. But um, just this whole western swing country thing that was coming out of LA. And then this like triangle between L.A. early Vegas days, um, and then Bakersfield was like these three sort of triangulated hotspots that these guys would travel around and and make country music and superstars out of there. Uh, anyway, but that's here neither here nor there because we're on Al Cap's fire. <laughs> And um, so the first day we did the, we came out here and we got sorted out and then we did the free blast in, in sort of the traditional way. Well, there's kind of two ways to do um, this side of the wall and that is to either haul your stuff up the Hart Highway, which is a fixed five pitch um, hauling kind of run that that's not really a climb. It's just got fixed lines on it generally these days they're just kind of permanently fixed because it's the way you get to access this whole side of the wall and uh you can either haul your stuff up and then climb to it or you climb go down then haul up your stuff and and uh, either go blast it or just haul up your stuff and then wait for the weather window to to go up and join your things and uh, start up the wall so we went ahead and did the free blast first enjoying some coffee not bonfire unfortunately but uh so we did that on a very cold alpine-ish windy ass day yeah freezing 
Yeah, it was really nasty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and it's very exposed out there. And plus, you're trying to slab climb on desperate uh, slab climbing, like, in the wind. It was not, like, you're, even if it's not actually pushing you around, which it, it did one time where it, it definitely pushed me off balance. But um, just the noise and the flapping of your stuff and all that's just, like in your head as you're trying to to daintily slab climb up these things totally yeah and the clouds were just raging yeah we were in the clouds some of the day which you know we're not even a thousand feet off the ground and we're in the clouds like as they were kind of ripping through the valley below us so um but the thing that you contemplate these days on this entire climb is is mr honald without a rope on and and it was just like unfathomable like unfathomable to be up on those just desperate thin you know slabs no feet no hands just like padding up these slabs and you're like oh what if i didn't have a rope on (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean i don't think anybody can climb that anymore without thinking about that which of course is terrifying right right i mean a hold on these pitches is like well, there's nothing. Fingernails. Yeah, yeah digging into yeah. an edge or something. I mean, it's funny because when you talk to non-climbers, they that's what they imagine hard climbing is, is like fingernails. Totally. It's like drywall. Right. You know? Yeah, right. We, just Which, you know, we mostly roll our eyes at because it's just not the case. But um, that, and it's only 5.11. Like, that's right. what it's, it's rated. Right. And it's like, you actually are on like fingernail holds almost right you know you're, you're trying to pat them with your fingers but yeah anyway so that's the free blast like five five eleven we get up that we come down we take a day off um we hike our haul our, our stuff to the base yeah and the ultimate goal i forgot to mention that the ultimate goal was to climb the golden gate which is a variation off of the south day just above us here um cutting out right and it's uh five thirteen and sort of like if you're going to free climb El Cap, it's it's the it's the step up after the free rider um, to go over there into some two or three pitches of 513 um, as opposed to the one pitch now of 513 on free rider that used to be 512 plus because um, a hold broke on it. Uh, since I did it, the hold broke and it's gotten a little bit harder. But otherwise, um, you know, there's what one pitch of 512 or no, one pitch of 513, one pitch of 512, two pitches of 512 on the free rider, I think, is the way it goes. Plus a lot of really burly 511. So you get a lot of that on Golden Gate, but then you cut out into um, a couple more pitches of 512 and a couple more pitches of 513. And a down climb. And a down climb that's supposedly really hard right. for short people. Anyway, so that, that was the original plan. And we'll get into why it was the original plan at some point on this 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 uh, trip report that's going that's ongoing actually unfolding unfolding as we speak. Um, the other thing is I brought this recorder up here because I thought oh, it would be fun to talk about how to do the wall, not only what's happening to us, but sort of how to get it done. So in kind of more of a traditional sense of how to get it done, whether you're climbing the South Bay um, or wall climbing the free rider or wall climbing any of these kind of things up here. Um, but I actually have in the archives that we never got it done is um, the RV project folks had this uh, recording where um, Ethan Pringle did a, a bit of recording in his attempt to do the Golden Gate in a day. And I, I want to say he didn't actually do it. 
Or maybe, oh, really? I thought he did. Oh, he did. Did he? When we were down in the valley, yeah. it, we kind of mentioned it as if it had been huh. it done. Yeah, I don't but know. I didn't read. I didn't read about it, so... Nevertheless, I have it, so I'm kind of like stealing your thunder because we kind of never got it done because I never got back with uh, Ethan. Um, but maybe someday we'll put that out. I mean, it's still, still relevant. So, anyhow, here we are, a couple of punters. <laughs> right. Um, so then, uh, what happened on day one? Well, day one bat or day two climbing. Day two climbing. So when we blasted off up the up the ropes to get onto the route. We quickly realized that the hauling system we had devised uh, probably wasn't quite adequate for the load that we had mm-hmm. as far as, like, having the proper ratios of, mm-hmm. of uh, mechanical support. Well, we'd watch some YouTube videos. Yeah, we did yeah. some YouTube videoing. And, and how to do a two-to-one. Right. Yeah. Right. And it kind of worked at the local crag with, like, a 40-pound pack. Well, it worked, yeah. It worked. It works. I mean, yeah, yeah, are. it works. No, yeah. we're here for sure. But, I mean, what I'm, I'm referencing the Kong... Like not even the straight oh, up yeah, mechanical yeah. We had to advantage, do some modifications like straight in route, which work. I which I think was probably understood that that was going to happen. Right. So yeah, we had to do some mods on the hauling system. So, you know, the why the question would be why isn't it that Calus, the big wall ace of old, <laughs> doesn't know how to haul? Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. It's how because. To- Chris is a solo machine out here, and he's not used to having some other people. So, uh, well, I don't. I mean, I did why. some walls with other own. people, right? Um, and we didn't use a two to one; we just used body weight one to one. And uh, so, I don't know what's. To, maybe the Earth's gravity's gotten <laughs> heavier. I mean, I remember when we did the reticent wall; we had three people, and we had a lot of stuff. But right on that. Um, because we had three people, you had like this dedicated like hauling and extra weight and there's a chance and my memory is really terrible with all this stuff. Yeah. There's a chance that at least in the early part of it, we, we did, we put two people on, on as counterweight. Okay. Right. To get it up there. Um, Because you were so one-to-one-ing with three Yeah. We didn't have this ratchety system. Wow. Yeah. This was in the 90s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we must have had three people. We must have had two people counterbalancing. Can I Because the other thing why? is I remember we had a giant, uh, we had this really big pulley. Okay. I don't know if that made a difference. But I think it's supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> why we didn't have a ratchet system? Yeah. Well, because of what was has been going on the last couple of days mm. of like the frustration of like all that pumping right for like yeah inches. no movement right yeah, yeah. You know? and like watching those guys that had the, the three, three to, to one, one yeah you know it's like literally inching it up crawling so yeah. i think uh yeah i don't know and yeah. then the, and then you're right like half the walls i did i soloed so right. i just had my stuff right i didn't have to have a whole bunch of shit so right so anyway we learned how to haul yep so then what else happened day one we met some nice Kiwis is Australians. Yeah, it's Kiwi slash Australians. Yep. Yep. It's uh, all. It was only yesterday. Yeah, it's all blur. Right. Well, anyway, so I remember, Steve. Yeah. Um, so then we had three pitches to do. Yeah. Uh, to get to the top of the hollow flake, from from the um, from the heart ledges, 
uh, a 5.11 C pitch with this really burly boulder problem. The beta of which I'd worked out last time and I couldn't remember it, but then I finally did remember it and do it. But uh, the, the Kiwis fell on it, or the Aussie Kiwis fell on it too. Yeah. But this is a move that, that Honnold skipped, actually. Um, that, that was the move. Yeah, that, that was the move. Right. He, there's some way to like go a different way that's 5.10, but it's unprotectable. Obviously not a problem when you don't have a rope. Right. Because it's a desperate move. And, I mean, like desperate even maybe for the, compared to the slabs, like, you know. Because yeah. you do like a little dyno oh, it, to finish I think it, it was more desperate than yeah, the slabs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, up we came of that and then um, down into the hollow flake, which we kind of skipped because the the boys had a fixed rope on it. Yep. And so I they were coming back down. Yeah, because they were coming back down. And I was like, you know what? I've led the half like a couple of times in my life. I don't need to do it. Mini traction that and got to our ledge late night and uh, got sorted out and, and was like totally wrecked and went to sleep because of all that hauling. So we hauled uh, eight pitches, climbed three right that day so now the other thing i remember about climbing up this wall the last time i did it was that through this series of of very fortunate events i'm realizing now how fortunate it was <laughs> i ended up inheriting eight gallons of water that were in the alcove and the alcove is one pitch below me right now which is like pitch 17 or 16 or 18 or something of the south day free rider and uh, what happened was is that I was here and I was like kind of moping around just doing stuff waiting for my partner to show up to do the free rider and I got wind a buddy of mine was like uh, Steve Schneider aka Shapoopy had fallen doing the South A um, I think he had fallen like just screwed up aid climbing the ear the pitch above the ear with his wife and it either broken or just like broken a rib or like wrecked himself. Ooh. Like just took some stupid like going too fast aid fall and fell funny and like messed himself up. And then on the way down and they, there's a, a way straight down. This is actually not a real well-known thing, but there's a way to go uh, wrap straight down from the top of the hollow flake, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. lung ledge, to the ground with 70-meter ropes. You got to have 70s. But so they had wrapped down that and like three pitches up they had like while lowering their bags just had created one of those rat's nests where you just all of a sudden it's probably the middle of the night and Steve's fucked up and you know they just were like well we have enough ropes to just get to the ground so let's just leave our shit and get to the ground and get out of here and so they had some big mess where their bags were still up there but they had ropes fixed to the ground and so the word was as if basically a buddy said, hey, Shapoopy wants someone to go get his stuff because he can't do it because he's messed up. And if you do, you can have their water, which was in the alcove, eight gallons. Ugh. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll totally do that. So I went up and got their stuff, like got their shit all sorted out. And it was, it was just kind of just tangled up and, you know, in the middle of the day, just relaxed. I could just totally get it undone. And, and bring their stuff down for them. I left those those pitches fixed, and uh, so I now had eight gallons waiting for me in the in the alcove, which was awesome. 
Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and so when we went up the free rider, we only had to haul those first 15 or 13 or 14 pitches, whatever it is to, 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 uh, well, to hear, um, with like a day and a half worth of water that we would use until right. we got here. Sure. Which it's is like incredible. another reason I don't know how to haul big heavy bags because <laughs> we didn't have to. Just fortune smiled on you for because here's the other thing years. is that the bottom half, but basically almost to here, is a huge pain in the ass to haul because it's a giant slab, right? And you don't actually realize how slabby it is until you look down on it from here. It's insane. It's it looks like people are just standing right on it. Like when they're climbing, they look like you're like, why don't just stand up right. and walk? <laughs> totally. I mean, it doesn't feel like that climbing it, but here it really, you see how slabby it is. And so from here on out, it's steep. And so we just got, I didn't, like I said, I didn't realize until this trip what we got away with, but we got away with totally sweet. Yeah. Um, the best deals. Yeah. So basically possible. by the time we were here, we were down to like six gallons. You know, or eight, seven, eight gallons at the most. And, uh, yeah, so we, we got lucky for sure. Day two, we've got to catch us up here. Day two, we wake up on Lung Ledge. and uh, It was awesome. It was my first uh, portal ledge experience. Yeah, we slept on the portal ledge. Yeah. the ledge is, you, you could squeeze out a bivy there, but you'd be sleeping in, like, 50 years of urine right would you say you just contract dysentery yeah you, you man definitely contract dysentery <laughs> sleeping inside of that on that gravel um the one like thing about el cap is it smells like pee the entire thing. that that is um going harkening back to that yeah. national geo article it's like the glamorous t-shirts and shorts yeah. you never think that you're just and there's a pitch coming up called the sewer. Yeah, the and that's kind of what it smells like. Well, it's, that's just that's natural. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but at least in the spring, it's not quite as pissy smelling. Yeah, it hasn't. By the fall, when it hasn't rained all summer, and uh, <laughs> there's been like you know one after another party up this thing, it's just stinky. Like mustard gas. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, the the one thing though is that the the since since my day even. The, um, they've been having those Yosemite facelifts in the fair, in the first few ones of those, yeah. they really like came up here industrial. The numbers, I remember hearing hundreds of pounds of yeah. stuff was coming out because it was insane. the whole vibe has changed. Even since I, I started my first, uh, my first Yosemite climb wall climb, El Cap climb was probably in like 94, 95. I think it was Mescalito. And then we did, um, then I sold the Aquarian Wall next, I think. Um, but even back in the in the aughts when I came up on the Freerider, like behind every flake on every ledge oh. was like just garbage. Right. Because the vibe, and I actually caught the very end of this, I was telling you. Yep. The vibe was like, this was so desperate that anything you could do to keep like going so you you actually the the total ethic and this is this is kind of like one of these things that's like kind of shocking the ethic was you just threw your garbage off <laughs> well no you're can because you're up here eating so cans. awesome yeah and you just would eat your can and you'd huck it it's like being on the jersey turnpike yeah exactly <laughs> totally. i know it's i mean people are like what yeah you just and, and everybody's like well that was probably just you Calouse, but no 
it was the deal is you just got rid of all the weight right you were sure. just like we have to get streamlined streamlined yeah. and then you would supposedly well not everybody but if you had any ethics at all you would go back and like clean up a bit afterwards right but you know half of that shit didn't make it to the yeah, ground yeah look below you right and so everywhere you climbed on el cap there was garbage <laughs> and uh cans like hidden and shit the other thing is you and i was again i was right at the cusp of this but you would shit in a bag, like a big paper bag, yeah. and huck it. <laughs> and this, I think, people know because there were famous stories of people getting hit with <laughs> shit and stuff. Yeah. So you would huck it off. I don't off, mean to laugh because that would again, be worse. And again, the idea was that you would that your your paper bag yeah. would be uh, biodegradable. <laughs> And right. I think, like, you know, back in Robbins's day, you know, when nobody was climbing up yeah, here, yeah. that was, like, a somewhat reasonable, like, oh, we'll yeah, just, sure. like... Sure. How could they imagine then so many people? Right. Would, and But by right. the mid-90s, you know, <laughs> you would be walking through the woods down there, and it was, again, like, you, Jer- Jersey Turnpike, but with shit. Right. But at least, like, the Jersey Turnpike, like, I mean, the homeless people maybe, but... Not every car driving by is hucking their bags <laughs> right. out the window, too. Although, there are those industrial sections that yeah. smell like yeah. sewage. So, and it was just, like, considered part of the deal. And then, in the next few years after I started climbing here, the poop tube came into, uh, into vogue. Yep. And people started to realize, like... And I actually, on my own, I kind of said, like, well... If that's the difference between me topping out and not topping out is like five cans, <laughs> yeah. five empty cans, right. I'm like, then I really shouldn't be up here. <laughs> right. Like, that's like how close the margins are. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, three pounds of fucking tin. <laughs> right. I was like, so I actually, on my own volition, not to like toot my horn, but I was shocked at that. And, and you know, you, you come in and you're like, all right, you're just overwhelmed by the size of the thing you're like right. i'm gonna do everything necessary too to get up yeah there. right but then as you're up here you're like that's not necessary weird. so i started carrying my garbage early on yeah and maybe my poop came a little bit later but then i was in the era where there were these holdouts and some of the guys i climbed with were kind of holdouts of of uh sticklers for the old style well, just you know it's it was the same in the creek when we put toilets in, right. you know, there oh, were right. dudes who yes. still just grab their shovel and go off into the, cause right. like, just, you know, the joy of pooping next to a creek <laughs> right. in a riparian zone right. was just too much for, they just had to, had to do like it. Sitting in a stinky block toilet, just, it's, you know, their rights were being trampled on. That's right. <laughs> so I, there was a transition in the nineties and then pretty much now, it's like, yeah, you gotta, it's like, leave no trace if you can't other than your pee. Right. But back to the facelift, man, they, like, there's pictures of dudes with full, like, hazmat oh. suits, basically, like, digging out the the stuff on the, I haven't climbed the nose, but one of the, oh. the nose bivvies has a big crack behind it. Yeah. Where you just, like, you know. That's where dump, everything you goes. You your crap right. in there. Right. And in the early days, it would, like, disappear, and you couldn't imagine, like, anyone ever seeing it again. Yeah. It was filling up garbage, right? Yeah. And so good on those people that did that. Yeah, volunteers probably. Yeah. Because I remember looking behind the spire here, and even in the 90s, or the aughts, uh, 
it was had a bunch of garbage in it. Oh. And I looked today and I didn't see anything. Uh, yeah, I didn't either. And yep. you really only see the random like, oh, it Something accidentally blew dropped yep. or they blew it off. Yep. Or, um, so good job on that. Yeah, yeah. big time. That's yeah. unimaginable to me. Right. Yeah. So um, we'll finish up here. Um, and we'll, I think we'll report in after today if we can. If yeah. We're not like completely destroyed. Totally. We've got um, two or three days, three days at least of whatever we're going to do, um, which we have a cho- choice to be made in a few minutes here, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, the other thing is that we've got like a kind of a marginal forecast where we've got as much as 50 to 60% mm-hmm. uh, rain in the next couple of days after today. Today's super nice. So anyway, that's playing into our decision-making. Um, but we're running heavy. We've got, like, we could be up here for at least three or four more days if we needed to. Right. And probably a lot longer. Yep, if we really rationed yeah, which it is out. why hauling was so heinous. Yep. So, um, all right. Checking out. Checking out. Right. And uh, go climbing. Here we are. Day three. Day three. Was it day three or four? Uh, Today's Monday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, day yeah, four. Yeah, day four or five, including, yep, the, first including day. the first day. So we've been up here a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, catch everybody up. We left the spire yesterday, which is when we recorded this, the first half or first part of this, um, was in the morning on the spire. So we we were about to um, we were about to bail. Right. Um, onto the South Day, Free Rider, South Day. Actually, just the South Day. Just because I was so worked. I was like, fuck this. Hauling had been killing me. And, you know, we had also, we had a really bad forecast. Yep. <laughs> well, it didn't seem that bad, but we'll get catch up, catch up to that in a minute. <laughs> so, but then, I don't know, it was nice out. Got excited. So we took a right turn onto the Golden Gate after all. Did five pitches, uh, one down, one up, one down, one up. And then half of another pitch uh, where things got a little bit haywire. <laughs> and uh, pretty run out pitch, 510 C or D, but on really wet rock. And uh, so I was out there mucking around and uh, trying to figure it out and... Um, Lo and behold, this rope suddenly comes down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> From the heavens. <laughs> From the heavens. And it was Brad Gobright coming, trying to like escape uh, the El Corazon, which comes in from the right over there, um, after having kind of gotten beat down on it, but just trying to do it in a, in a day. So down he came, and, I, and he was like, man, do you want me to tie this rope off? I was like, fuck <laughs> yeah. yeah so he ties it off, and um, I throw a Jumar on it, but I do the moves, but they were terrifying, even with the Jumar on there. Yeah. And then before I got through it quite, first of all, he's like, hey, I'm going to take this off now, the rope. I was like, no, 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 no. give me like one more minute. Not quite. And then my haul line got stuck too, and I, or my tail line got stuck too. And so I came to a screeching halt. Luckily, there was a bomber 
uh, bomber blue camel out right yep. there. So um, I trammed into that bad boy and uh, felt pretty good. Let let Brad go, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we bailed back down to the ledge to uh, to uh, Bibby for the night. That's yeah, right. It was a wonderful night, and um, then we uh, woke up this morning. Yeah. And you want to take it from there, Steve? Well, sure. It, uh dawned nice again and uh i felt like we got up early and had a good movement and uh cranked <laughs> through the rest of that pitch right which was still wet and terrifying mm-hmm. um on like weird mank kind of through it um but we decided not to kind of leave because of the bad forecast to leave our wedge up and camp up and just go to the next pitch and fix them and so, uh, ultimately, that's what we did. I think, is that called the sewer pitch? No, no, the sewer pitch is on the south. Oh, okay. That's just a grimy fucking Oh, man, pitch. whatever that is yeah. called, yeah, that's so might yeah, as well be called the sewer. The next pitch is just short, but, like, again, really wet crack. and uh, Overgrown. Right, overgrown with massive bushes, and then out across this wet slab. And then you're at this really crappy belay yeah. before the boulder problem pitch or the move pitch they call it and uh just like a junk one bolts in this giant wet streak well that's actually where the belay is is in this giant wet streak maybe it's not wet in the fall it's fucking wet right now right so a nice old rusty bolt and then there's another <laughs> bolt like five feet to the left of it um that's newer and so then you do this like massive equalization <laughs> down like five feet of those two bolts, and that's the anchor, which um, I find to be a bit uh, disconcerting. But yeah. um, I almost we have bolt kit, and I because there's some bolts that need to be replaced on that pitch anyway. And but the only way to really make it a belay is to put another bolt in the wet streak because. Um, you're kind of half on the first bolt of the climbing right? as part of your belay. So I don't know. It's just kind of a mess up there. And then there's been a couple of bolts that have fallen out or been pulled out of the crux pitch. And so that thing's all, it was one of the crux pitches. It's got like these, like, looks like 10 foot tat yep. that you kind of clip up as you're climbing it. Um, so it's not super inviting actually. <laughs> no. Um, and to make up for the lost bolts, I guess. And we have three bolts and uh, a bolt kit, which the idea was that we would replace those. But who knows now that we um, are going to fall behind. Because what happened after that, after we got to that belay before that move pitch, is I was freezing my ass off. In the and, wet streak. Yeah, and I had gotten pretty wet. And uh, I came back down to the camp, our belay ledge, and um to get some more clothes on and to warm up and uh and then steve wait how did it go you came down yeah i came down ate some food Mm -hmm. and i was jugging up to start hauling yeah we were going to close camp and haul up to there yep and what happened uh this the storm yeah (laughs) fully hit us uh luckily steve got back down to the ledge and we had left it set up because it poured and uh and then we had like a big kind of sunny hole for a little bit and we started to contemplate going back up and maybe trying to at least fix the next pitch and then it rained again yeah uh pretty even more significantly i think right and then uh and then it's just been kind of raining off and on all day since then and we're sitting in our ledge 
Um, and then one snafu uh, that is that is uh, vexing us <laughs> is that our headlamps are in a bag up on that belay um, because we have like a little transport bag that's going that goes with us each time and they went in there this morning instead of in the in the hall bags seeming like oh that was probably a good idea to have our headlamps with us at all times right so um, they're up there and I in a br- respite from the rain even though i actually have sat through these kind of storms before and i mentioned to steve i was like yeah when the when the when the clouds start rising up off the valley floor then it's going to rain again soon and so i said that and then i waited like 15 minutes more and then i got out there and i'm like i'm going for the headlamps and i fucking <laughs> jugged halfway up that rope starts raining i clouds are just flying up yeah, the wall flying up the wall i wrap back down <laughs> And I actually, I didn't want to open up our fly and let the storm in uh, while I climbed in the ledge. So I actually situated myself under the ledge, hanging on a jumar and my grigri, under, directly under the ledge, trying to stay out of the rain. Through the worst part of the rain. Yeah, through, a, I think, the worst rain of the day, just sitting down there. And uh, doing all right, except our water was running down the rope and dripping on me via my grigri. Um so I had to deal with that, and then uh, and then it led up again, and we got our stuff up here into the ledge, and uh, that's where we sit at this point. Is that our headlamps are still up there? <laughs> it's not currently raining, actually. True. Um, and the wall's running with a significant amount of water, though. So I think if you get out on that line, it it'll probably feel like it's raining anyway. But I don't know. We probably still have. Uh, I don't know, maybe an hour or two of daylight. That's what I would guess. Like. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there may be a point at which we have to just suck it up. Actually, there's going to be a point at which we have to just suck it up and go jug up there and get um, get the headlamps. Um, and that's uh, that's day four. Day four. We have um, nine or ten more pitches that aren't fixed. Um, all the hardest climbing. And uh, it's like the wall is completely drenched. So we'll see what happens. Um Although I have been sitting here devising a way to get down, I yeah. think. That's, yeah, we feel confident in that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it would probably take a day, sure. uh, maybe even more. Right. But a day going down is easier than a day going up. So um, anyway, so we're going to see what the weather does. The forecast was that this was the worst day, um, but there's still a unsettled day or two ahead of us. So right. if both of those are rainy days, then we're probably done. We can get a little climbing done in there, yep. uh, then we'll probably go up to the top. So um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But it's damp, um, chilly, and uh, that's that's day four of, uh, of <laughs> anything you want to add. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't think it rained in Yosemite, right? No, it's all T-shirts. It's all T-shirts. And Alex Honnold and right. a pair of shorts and a T-shirt <laughs> right. just fucking standing out there. <laughs> No, no rope or anything. No, it uh, it definitely rains. I've been rained on a number of times on El Cap. So this is not the first time, um, and it is an unfortunate turn of events. But we're dry. Yeah, it and was it was forecasted. Yeah, it was. Yeah, for, I mean, did. not when we left the ground. It was right, right. We left the That's ground. That's true. Remember it, the the, the, the perfect, locals were like perfect oh, weather. You got the perfect nailing weather. Nailing it. Totally awesome <laughs> for the next week. Yes. Yes. Um, that's not the case. Uh, so we did find out about this a day ago 
um, you have our phones that are both dead now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in this, you know, if you guys find this recorder and we're, you know, no longer of the living, this will be a last testament to, right. uh, to who we were, right. what we were up to <laughs> at the end. <laughs> oh, that's kind of morbid. I might yeah. cut that out. Yeah, I would definitely cut that out. <laughs> personally i felt like climbing me getting into climbing was inevitable because it just fits my personality type Uh uh-huh and i had looking back i had a lot of different influences but that's that's to me like why climbers get so kind of hardcore into it because it fits it it fits the kind of gaps in people's lives that they've been looking for Mm -hmm. uh so perfectly that once you find it you know that it's it's exactly right and that feeling of like exuberance is like a rapture for someone who believes in religious in religion right uh and so then that feeling just carries you uh, that kind of completeness carries you for a long time, sometimes decades, you know, or that's like why you become a dirtbagger, get so into it. So, you know, sitting up here right now, 25 bitches up El Cap, 47, I got two kids. It's like, and I've, I've remarked on this before to friends or whatever, but that, I don't know, there's a point in your climbing, and this is sort of depressing, but that your trips are about kind of trying to recapture that original feeling that you're talking about. Sure. Like the rapture as you were talking about, like the feeling of, I mean, the exuberance or the, of those first years climbing and the first trips and the first time seeing all this sort of stuff. You go over this hump to where it's still fun and like, especially going on trips is still fun but I, even, I don't know, the last time I went on a trip by myself before this, you know, maybe one of the European trips, but, you know, you get on the plane and I just don't, I remember not, like, you're missing this spark or this feeling that you used to have. Sure. And part of it is that you've had to do so much more coordinating and shit to get the trip done and you've got like stuff you didn't get done and is pending and you know whatever is like mundane as it sounds like an email that you didn't send and like all this shit that you just didn't do and so that's like oh oh well right and you know you've got your two weeks your three weeks and you know you're going to come back to this clusterfuck so all those things i think add to it but but it's also that you're just never gonna recover that yeah yeah, sure. That feeling. Right. And well, it it seems almost like to put it in more like visual terms like the trips already closed off mm-hmm. whereas like even a trip like this like I don't even have I have another 2 weeks off right. still, you know, and I'm like theoretically I could meet someone in the in down below and be like I'm going to just hang here for another 2 weeks cause. Yeah. And I'm just like open-ended still. Yeah. And that's what I feel like it, it like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're like boxed off already with just more stuff added on. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I get it. 
Right. But it's like, no. Well, and <laughs> I feel it on this so wall. Like, I don't have... I don't have this, like... I used to climb these this thing, like... Felt unstoppable. Sure. Like, I felt like, there's no way I'm not going to climb to the top of this thing. Right. You know, right. I've got enough supplies. Yep. Uh, and, and it's like, this whole time we've been on here, I have these question marks about... Well, what if there's some shit up there I just can't even get through? Right. You know, yep. on this free climb because I'm out of shape. You know, have I bitten off more than I can chew this time? And it's like that could translate into adventure, right? Right. right. And be like, well, that's what's cool about it's it. The, right. But, you know, since I've got this family and all this other stuff, you know, I, I was just thinking to myself about miles and about like Tommy who has two kids and Josh Wharton another friend of mine that's got one kid and I'm like aren't those guys like as you know bummed to be away from their kids as I am right and how does it affect their climbing and how does it affect their psych and how does it affect again sort of the risks that they're taking yeah um because the funny thing is is you know and I think it's a, a matter of of time having gone by and but you know like this feels way more risky to me for some reason than anything I've done on El Cap and it's objectively it's not that seems insane to me considering you were telling me about using a tent pole to blind hook on things yeah <laughs> I know hard yourself right up. no I know I know and we've talked you know and it's like we've been talking about all the different times I've been up here and right. all the stupid shit that happened and solos in winter yeah the winter solos and without a stove <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't have a stove I don't know it didn't seem that important <laughs> just warm water just between my legs purposely no stove um Oh, that seems strange. It's so strange. It's so strange that maybe I did. Maybe I had one and I just yeah, don't, I just didn't forget use it. it. Yeah, but I don't think so because God, I wouldn't have had jet boil didn't exist. Right, it? right. There was like these super hardcore alpinist ones. Yep. Which were way too expensive. Right. And you had to get like a special gas for them. Well, even talking about the backpacking background, that those they you know you can crush cans and throw mm-hmm. alcohol or whatever and light right. that shit up. Yeah. None of that stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm. I'm I think I'm right about not having wow. one. Um, anyway, yeah. but yeah. So, but anyway, it's just like all that stuff where I'm waking up each morning, like kind of nervous and trepidatious about the day and sure. like getting through these pitches. And now we're, you know, that's why I was almost going to have snail eye and just yep. say, fuck it. Let's go up the South day. Right. Because I knew, I know the hundred percent, like that thing that. we can get up. Yep. I see one. Yep. We're just cruising. Yep. But here we're on a pit, you know, it's like you have to free climb. Right. Like, and if it keeps raining or whatever, all those things change. Yep. And I mentioned that this morning when we woke up, like, the idea that if you're on an aid wall, like, inclement winter, weather sucks. And, like, it raining like it rained yesterday, you're shut down. Totally. Like, it fucking poured. Yep. But, you know, you can kind of get into it because you can get through stuff even when it's, like, not so good. And not only are you free climbing on this, but I'm, like, free climbing at my limit. Right, right. So it's like you kind of have to have pretty good conditions. Yep, yep. And, uh, and again, like, it's not like I can just switch because it's a crack. Like, the South Bay head wall, if I was trying to free climb that, like, you can't free climb it. Well, fuck it. You just pull, put in gear and go for it. Yep. But on this thing, you know, 10 feet of nothing means you're not going any further. Right. 
you know, 10 feet of no gear and face climbing and, you know, bad weather and right. you're done. Yeah, wet and, rock. Right. And so, and there's nothing, you know, nothing like on the South Bay where you're done. Yeah. In terms of just, if you have your, if you have like a reasonable rack. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. So anyway, the, all those things have been going on, and right. now, and uh, anyway, yeah, it's interesting. Just the kind of line between what is an adventure now and what is just like, uh, yeah, like it's funny. Well, you know, a while ago I, I was uh, hanging out, and MK had talked about climbing the Shadow Wall uh, when he was like forty something, and HK was like seven. And he, he claims that's his hardest climb ever. The Shadow Wall, what's that? Uh, on Mount Hunter. And we're talking about Michael Kennedy and Hayden Kennedy. Right. For those of yeah, sorry. Our lingo. Right, right. MK and HK, Mike, yeah, yeah, Michael and yeah. Michael Kennedy. Um, so the Shadow Wall is this, like, gnarly, gnarly big wall mm-hmm. in Alaska in the range right. on Mount Hunter. And I think, it, I don't know if it's ever been repeated or maybe just once or something. Right. And, uh but he claimed that was his hardest kind of best climbing mm-hmm. he's ever done because it yeah it's fully just crazy alpine climbing. But yeah, HK was like eight or he was right. like you know a blonde haired kid gangly yeah. running around like, and I was just like, whoa like, and he said it pretty matter of factly like, and so and Julie was there, MK's mm-hmm. Michael's wife and was just like, yeah like you maybe we were talking about this like mm-hmm. when you get older can you still climb and have that mentality and. I guess maybe it's easier when you're not, like, when you're on a portal ledge and you're not looking down seeing cars and thinking of, like, family and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the Alaska range and you don't see a single soul for, I don't know. But that always struck me, that Michael was the standout that, like, was able to maybe compartmentalize it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's seven years ago for me. Right. When I was 40. Right. You know? that's, well, that's right. I, I don't know kids. how old you. I think yeah. you're right. You, it was, yeah, so... I thought but he maybe forties. Yeah, in his forties. Yeah. So yeah, and you know, but he he definitely chilled out. Definitely. Eventually. Yeah, for sure. So. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's like when I kind of thought up this trip, I was like, uh, yeah, I wonder, you know. And there's a lot of question marks, not only about the ability, but also just yeah, the stoke um, to go back up on El Cap after 12 years, and you know, the kid and everything else. So. Um, there's a lot of questions being answered. Yeah, you're, it's just more of that evidence that, aside from your physical abilities, your mental sort of game changes, whether it's for better or worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the, the start of this conversation talked about this idea of climbing and being, you know, rapture-like or whatever, and, and then significantly whether that erodes or whether you can keep doing that and maybe i mean maybe there are climbers out there and maybe ron Kalk's one of them you know he still lives here in the valley and climbs and like he still has tapped into that like original electricity but it'd be interesting to find out yeah absolutely you know i don't know i'm not gonna have time to track him down this trip but you know maybe he'll pass us yeah he'll pass us yeah right (laughs) hey How's it going, guys? I found a little frog down there in that crack. <laughs> Do you know that video? No. no. <laughs> it's some old Ron Cock video. Like an old Stone Masters? No, it's like, I don't know what it... Yeah, maybe it was one of the Masters of Stones. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, 
boulder and then he's just like all natured out and he's like talking about the frogs and he's like hey little frog <laughs> I just said hey frog <laughs> like super California kind right. of dude <laughs> anyway look that one up <laughs> um, yeah so here we are on the portal ledge yep. fucking waiting for the sun seeing what the weather's gonna do trepidatious nervous you know, at a flip of a switch, we could go down. All these things, wall climbing. Watch out. The last of the coffee. Ah, that's it. The last of the swag coffee. Do we have more? Huh? I'm just joking that you had like a whole another baggie of it. <laughs> oh, we didn't take our medicine last night. Oh, we or are we out of it? No, we have medicine. Oh man, yeah. Chug some after this. Yeah, more like a little breakfast. Oh, yeah, we gotta get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. We've had enough. Not enough for the big walls. Yeah. Good for the rest of my life. Oh. No, you guys are doing stuff and coming back for looking here. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll be here in the valley, I'll be climbing. Coming back when? In the fall. Oh, you're gonna be here in the fall? I already decided I'm coming back in the fall. You wanna climb a big wall? I don't know. Probably not. No? If Joseph wants, I mean, he wants to work here, but it'd be fun to just crank a lot of the smart pictures and go for a roster Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this kind of dominates your trip then. Yeah. Plus, you gotta recover from it. Yeah. So. Look, you're in shape. That doesn't take that long. Yeah, well, and that, that'd be the not goal. not shape. Come and get in shape. And okay, whatever. a 47-year-old dad. <laughs> then it takes a while. I'm going to be, like, fucking work for a while, I think. There may even have been permanent damage done. <laughs> Maybe a doctor's visit. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Some dry needling. Right. Although the funny thing is, is my elbow right here. Yeah. Fine. Perfectly good. Yeah, which is, like, hurting. Right. All, like, for the last month. Yep. I mean, it hurts a tiny bit, but it doesn't, it's something I was worried about. And basically, I think that the pain in my shoulders is just, like, all the pain receptors have moved there. So. <laughs> I moved to the shoulder. Yeah, my shoulders really hurt, too. Definitely see it. So we're on the tower to the people. Yeah, it's like the morning of the seventh day. We've been up here for seven days. Seven days. Uh, we had two days of rain, uh, where we got a little bit done on each day. So we're pretty much on track, though, how I thought it would take the climb. It was five, maybe top bottom the sixth day. And uh, yesterday we climbed, uh, we hauled in the morning a 200-footer we had set up and then we uh, did 
four pitches, no, five pitches, getting through the, the crux climbing um, via a new mode of climbing, <laughs> which is a combination of free and aid, and it's called frayed climbing. <laughs> and when you do a bunch of frayed climbing, you've done it in a frayed ascent. <laughs> Generally, when you get afraid, you pull out the fucking haters. Right. <laughs> Go ahead and bring them up. Yeah. Chugging up the haters. So anyway, but luckily uh, we got through it all on Fraid. Free aid. Fraid. Um, and we have our ropes fixed now to the top of something like the 30 third pitch or something, the 32nd <laughs> pitch. pitch, I don't know, right. and we have three more pitches to go today, unfortunately, at this point, being over it, but, but it's 11 a day. yeah, it yeah. is a nice day, we have yeah. good weather, Finally. Yeah. and it's a nice day, we had a good night, and uh, things were dry, hey, uh, 11 a pitch, 12 a pitch, 5 9 pitch, um, and a little mini pitch to get to the toppity top. So, four halls, five halls, four halls. No, five halls. Five halls, five halls three, four pitches. And maybe walking down, hopefully walking down to getting down. Not really walking down, but rappelling down through the east ledges, which I haven't seen in quite a few years. But yeah, survival. Yeah. Luckily, we were heavy. Right. And we've been pretty much seven days worth of like solid food and water. We have tons of water still because it's been cold and rainy. Yeah. Plus, I think a gallon a day is too much. Yeah. Although, I was worried about the heat yeah, more was, than anything. I was too. Um, and so, anyway, we got a lot of water left. We'll probably dump some. And off to the top. To the top. Yes. Mm. Last installment. Yeah. A long ways from El Cap now, though. That's right. Somewhere in the Great Basin. Yep. Yep. Wheeler Peak in the distance. We've been driving. We drove yesterday from Bishop. Uh, it's been, what, three days? Two days since we came down? Uh, three? Yeah. So not last night. Not the night before. The night before. Right. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, when was the last time we started this thing up we were sitting on the tower of power right? yeah that's yeah. exactly right actually called the tower pe- tower, tower to, to the, the people, people but yeah um that seems a little awkward to me so we started calling it the tower of power <laughs> after the band yeah the last uh we were sitting there with the ropes fixed i think i think yeah that was yeah. exactly right yep. day s- it was the morning of day seven yeah we had managed to punch through yeah yep. so day seven was another trying one. Yes, still, <laughs> still not a giveaway. <laughs> um, we ended up climbing the beam flake, the razor blade, the golden eagle. Right. This uh, three pitches on this big, or two pitches on this big wafer thin 
flake that uh, isn't super hard. It's like some kind of strenuous 511, not very technical. Um, but the flake is so wafer thin that you don't really put gear behind it because it'll expand. Probably. You don't know. It's like A5, you know. If you don't fall on it, you don't know whether or not your gear would have held you. Um, but then the old Hubers, have pu- they punched holes in it so they could sling it. And a lot of those slings are still there. They're just like old tat flapping in the wind. And, you know, because you can't really get anything else in there because the holes like sometimes just like the width of the of the rope that's through there you can't replace the tat like at least not on lead you'd have to like saw it out of there then stuff yours in and like tie a knot and all like hanging on a like a bad jam (laughs) so you just clip the tat and keep going uh again wasn't terribly hard climbing so that was nice and then the final pitch uh just had just enough in it to like kick your ass uh, off with off with layback kind of thing to start and then just a really single hard move only rated 11 b probably correct on that and uh but just by the end of the show it's like 36 pitches up or whatever uh it was very i found it to be very difficult <laughs> followed by some tricky root finding to get to the actual top so the infamous dots on the topo yeah right the i realized that when it comes to topos, I don't like, I don't like dashes. I don't like the little dots and dashes, um, because that usually means that it's like you're going off. You're just questing off on some face without any pro. Right. Um, when the, when the like line ends and the dots start, that means the crack's done and you're off on your own on some sort of fucking slap. <laughs> so avoid the dots. True on this. Yeah. This route. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, then we topped out and, uh, Ran into another team we had started with who were on the free rider from uh, Australian, New Zealand, American team, uh, who we'd been calling the Anzac (laughs) team. And uh, we all started going down because we thought maybe we'd stay on top, but then the weather was pretty, well, the forecast was grim. So we bailed off the top. We also met a dude from uh, Kosovo via Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Yep. Been living in the States a long time, sounds like, um, up there as well. So anyway, we, we, we hustled down with our giant hall bag time. <laughs> Hustling meaning it took us, what, like five hours? Five hours, yeah. yeah. To just march down in, in, in sort of uh, well, increasing pain <laughs> by, with these giant haul bags on. Plus, you have to wrap with the bags, which is a whole kind of ordeal to make sure you don't drop them um, or, and or, you know, make them unbearable to carry down. Basically, you clip them to your straight to your grigri, your grigri uh, carabiner. And it's a, it can be a fatal error, literally, to try to repel with them like on, their, on your back or something. Even a real, I mean, that would be just impossible with the size of ones we had, but people get down and they, even a pretty heavy, smaller one, and they get on a rope and, and flip themselves upside down and, um, you know, pretty quickly start to suffocate. Um, and, uh, you know, m- more of that people have like gotten flipped back in the day without the Grigri and lost control. Um, 
and flipped off the end of the rope or whatever. So, yeah, always put your loads on your peener and let the grigri or your repel device do the work when you're repelling with something heavy. Uh, yeah, so we get down uh, and march down to the valley floor, arriving about 10, yeah. 10.30. Yep. Um, and then we, what else did we do? That was Well, so then we marched back to the car yeah. and met the ANSAC team. Yeah, Anzacs were still there. And we had our requisite celebratory beer. Yeah, we had a couple beers yep. left. And that was awesome. And then we noticed that the crackdown had Don't begun. forget Caro. Oh, right. And, yep. Yep. and Caro. Yep. Right. From Louisiana. Yep. She was hanging out. Yep. Yeah, so you have to drive around and get your stuff and then come back. And by the time we got back, yeah, that's what you were going to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, the, the crackdown had begun. Yeah. Right. When we'd gotten to the valley, everybody had been talking about how easy it was to bivy, illegal bivy, by the, um, around, just anywhere. Team Anzac had been doing it. Mm-hmm. And we got there early in the morning a couple times, and it was, like, clear as day that everybody was packed into their cars totally. asleep. Yeah. Um, All throughout the valley. Yeah, throughout yeah, the valley. Everywhere. We were world. astounded. Yeah. We were in, and kind of embarrassed for the Park Service. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You know, it's like their standards had slipped. Yeah, had slipped. Right. Had completely... They'd let the, they basically, you know, the monkeys were running the show. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so by the time we got down though, and plus it's, uh, this is Thursday before Memorial Day weekend that they, that they, uh, they'd had their meeting, I think right. about clamping down. Yep. Because the, uh, the honest truth and you know, the, 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 the longstanding kind of like simmering or conflict between law enforcement and the climbers is not it's blown out of proportion in some cases you know it was a big feature piece of the valley uprising and stuff Mm -hmm. but it's also real it's also going on and there are definitely you know ebbs and flows of of how they deal with climbers and whether they clear them out and and uh the the but the truth is is sometimes they the climbers force your hand and i think this that's basically like I think every spring they just basically got to, like, the broom has to come through and sweep (laughs) out all the indigents. Right. And just put everybody back on alert that, you know, you got to work a little harder. Yeah, people are getting soft. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you walk by, uh, like, a Subaru Outback and the windows are all blacked out with, you know, the silver, like, insulating... window shades right. and it's like a trap house power rangers blanket across the <laughs> front exactly <laughs> and then it's like steamy every right. bit of window is like completely steamed out right. it doesn't take like sherlock fucking Holmes right. to realize there's a person in there you know like it's not like they have to do some sort of you know swab the car and like right. take it to the lab to have see. the heat sensor right, the, right. <laughs> so they're basically we're letting everyone get away with shit and then finally we watched him just go door to door in the uh in the meadow yeah, ticket book in hand yep yeah. and uh unfortunately I, we don't know what happened to you guys if you're listening team anzac yeah you were they were like four cars away from you. <laughs> totally. when we and your light was on. And your we're light like, was Get still in on. there. God, shut it down. So we bailed. We, it was, fuck, by now it was like midnight. Yep. We'd been climbing since whatever in the morning. We'd hiked our asses down. Like the, the walking down with haul bags, the haul bags we had, was probably the most physical effort jammed into five hours. It was like. I agree. I mean, it was like five hours of the most intense CrossFit. 
yes. session yep. ever. You can imagine. I yep. mean, all legs. Right. Like, I'm just doing legs today. Right. With consequences. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's pretty terrifying, <laughs> yeah. actually, at certain times. Like, slab climbing, like, you know, fourth class, but still, like, with, you know, slip and fall, yep. you're going to roll off an edge with a giant Paul back. <laughs> Anyhow, so... We bail, we drive up over Tioga with the idea that it's about to be Memorial Day weekend. Tioga Pass is just opened. And if we even, <laughs> if we were even sort of lazy on a Friday before Memorial Day, driving up over there would have been a nightmare. So we blaze up over middle of the night, get down to the other side of Tioga, out of the park. Everything's full, like campground wise. So we just, we just bivy, which is what you're supposed to do anyway as a climber. About 3 o'clock in the morning, we go to sleep after getting there, getting our stuff, 2.30 maybe. And then it fucking starts to rain at like 5.30 in the morning. Yep. Which, you know, the car is packed full of stuff, so we could have just gotten up and dumped it all and tried to get in the car. But instead, we just sat in the front seats and tried to sleep. And then at quarter to six or so, or 10 to six, I was like, let's get some coffee. And we... Headed down to the infamous mobile station on the Vining, and uh, had I had steak and eggs, yep, and, and big burrito, yeah, and, yep. and uh, began our day, and that was that was the end of the end of the climbing, right? Yeah, yep. And so, as a evaluation of my end of things, we the whole idea behind this was that I'm 47 years old. As you all know, they listen to the show. I have a baby, the normal baby. And I thought to myself, well, what if I put this goal out there to climb Golden Gate, the, the next hardest climb after Freerider, um, as like a goal just maybe in the next like three or four years before like I'm fully just one foot in the grave, you know? And they're basically like, yeah, just like hovering over me, like waiting. waiting. Lazy breath yeah, exactly. on your neck. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, I know you people over 50 will take issue with that. But anyhow, um, <laughs> you were worried about it, too. Don't, don't, right. don't lie. Right. Um, anyhow, so that was the idea. We'll go climb it. We'll see what it's like. And then I'll be like, oh, well, I could probably do this or I cannot do this. Anyway, I'm not going to go back. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's significantly harder than the free rider. Um, there's definitely a lot... It's a lot less straightforward, not not just the hard climbing, but all the climbing. Um, you know, the Salathe, which is what mostly the freerider is, it's it's the most obvious, like, continuous line on the on the captain, maybe even more so than the nose, other than it, it wanders more than the nose, but it doesn't have the bolt ladders even that the nose has or the chip traverse or all these different things that, that the nose has. So it's a pretty continuous crack line that, you know, if you're not free climbing, you're definitely just plugging in like really good gear right. every move. If yeah. you're if you're what what we called free aid or afraid climbing, they, it's totally chill. This other thing, not really. There was definitely run out climbing stuff you had to free climb, um, and you you just had to get it done or you were done. Yep. Like because I brought hooks, um, I brought <laughs> a little uh, selfie stick. Uh, this is going to be scandalous, but a little selfie stick, stick clip. And, you know, I think I had a bolt kit 
to replace some bolts that have fallen out. Um, if I, if I was going to come back, I was like, well, I'm going to replace those bolts. So I had that and in there, I even had a pecker I found. So I had like the means to get through some stuff and I used the hook. Yes. Memorably. Yeah. Memorably. And I used, uh, I definitely used the selfie stick, um, to get past some stuff. Um, so anyway, back to, uh, but yeah, so that was the plan. The plan unfolded the plan, uh, to check it out was achieved and i checked it off as in i don't know to be in the kind of shape you'd have to be in to free it or i would have to be in to free it i just don't know if i can do that with my lifestyle and also living in colorado feels like the granite you know even though i'd climbed on it for years off and on it's like it's not my you know even climbing in the black a couple times a year a couple times a season it's just not the thing i'm doing every day and so it takes a while to get into it and to climb it fast and uh, the footwork and all that sort of thing. So I think uh, I think it's off the uh, the list of, of goals before 50. And um, I'll just uh, chalk it up to an, uh, a, a 512A or 11 plus A1 ascent of El Cap. Yeah. Yeah. How was your experience, Steve? Oh, it was, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's very difficult in the sense that it's just like physically demanding. Uh, and it's this is hard your first to, wall. This is my first wall, first L cap ascent. Um, so in one sense, it, it's dream come true. Life goal achieved. So phenomenal. Uh, really eye opening. Learned a ton about being efficient and climbing well and having courage, even though I know you disparage yourself. You sort of certainly made it through some uh kind of hairy hairy moments uh i mean even on the last pitch memorably i don't know where to go <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome to hear 20 feet from the summit yeah we're not we're like, yeah. <laughs> right. like if, it wasn't, if it wasn't so windy i could have spit at the summit <laughs> right. but yeah right. for sure um so yeah, and and it uh, it's one of those things where luckily, I think I said fuck this shit, fuck this shit. I don't know. I don't know where to go. Exactly. Exactly. I was in the middle of the dots. I was in the middle of the dashes somewhere, like near the top. <laughs> and the only beta I had for you was I was like, I think it said there's a good hold up and left somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that was true. Yeah, that was actually yeah. true. It finishes like basically on a giant jug rail, um, like basically on the top or it's too close you're on a big slab you know that there's not like a summit but anyhow um yeah so and then luckily for me i'm i'm a little, little bit younger than you and uh it's <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mean that to be discouraging but it just luckily inspirationally it just means that like having seen what can go on on the big stone you can kind of just put that to my own climbing and be like, okay, I, I can accomplish things that maybe before doing this, I didn't think would be possible mm-hmm. just with some dedication training and, uh, just a lot of climbing and like, a, like what I want to do anyway. Sort of like, a, a bullheaded, like determination. Well, and, and, and I think a lot of like denial I had, like, you know, I really <clears throat> sitting up there like day three or four, you know, when we were kind of waiting to get into that upper head wall. Right. And I was openly nervous and telling yep. you, like, well, you know, hope I can get through it all because, you know, 
a part of my brain was, you know, keeping track of how we were going to get down. Yeah, right. Because of it course. was possible, Absolutely. but it was going to be a fucking boondoggle to get down. You yep, know? yep. Because we had traversed. You traversed the first five pitches of it, um, go out to the right of the south. So basically, you kind of have to reverse that and then get back to the south. Day. And then once you're on that, you can go down Straight really down. fast. It's yeah. all set up to get down quickly. But, I mean, anytime you're repelling with haul bags and stuff, it's a pain. But, yeah, so that, you know, a piece of my brain's doing that because the other piece of my brain's like, you know, what have you done? Like, you're, you're, you think you're still like 25. Right. It's kind of my conversation. Yeah. I'm like, uh-uh. you don't climb this hard anymore. Like, or at least at this moment. And the fact is, is I planned this out a few months ago. And then in my brain, I'm like, of course, I'm going to train. And then, of course, life got in the way of training. And right. so, you know, I walked in untrained and also, you know, with, I have this like elbow issue happening that kind of appeared about a month ago or a little more, I think from climbing on a couple really cold days, um, without old man warm up. And, uh, yeah, so I, it's, I was just up there like, you're, you've like dragged Steve up here and, uh, and you may not even be able to climb this thing, let alone free it. Um, so all that was going on in my brain, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. for sure. Well, yeah. that's what we were and, joking. And we had to sit there for two days in the rain. Yeah, like, exactly. Although at that point I was like, okay, we can get out of here. Yeah. We, but then <clears throat> it's always a thing where every pitch you go higher, you're like, all right, well, we're a little further, you know, we've just gotten, yep. you know, and frankly, their last, you know, there was one last pitch that the, there's two five thirteen pitches that are like four and five and six pitches from the top. And, you know, that was the kind of worry is like, we'll get all the way to there. And I just, I won't get anywhere. Right. Um, right. But it turned out to be fine. They were like, flip, like tons of gear. So. Yeah. Well that, and that, that's like more to my point of, we were joking. It was like, Oh, I got my money's worth, but you know, it, it was definitely like the full on experience. Like it was, we had decisions, like critical decisions to make, you know, like when we were on El Cap Tower, it was like, do we just go on South A and like get an ascent of El Cap or do we actually do the mission of getting you on Golden Gate? We have weird weather, like all this stuff. And, you know, it was awesome to like break that down in like a real context, but more of like a different, you know, like in an expedition I would expect in Alaska or something like that's the type of stuff I'd be doing a lot. But like I, I didn't really envision that happening on El Cap. Mm-hmm. And so to have that as my first one, it was like, this is awesome because now I can really see how it's just more experience on the whole, the whole thing as opposed, if it were just t-shirt weather, it would have been like, Oh yeah, you know, it was t-shirt yeah, weather. Yeah. You know, like no big deal. Like in the brochure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, it feels like El Cap because of the way people are climbing it now, it does feel super casual Yeah, in a sense, at least when you read about it, you know, and, and even us, we, right. we, I talked about Brad being up there yep. suddenly. Yep just from the ground in a day, like right. as high as or higher than we were yep. after four days, right. whatever, right. three days. And <clears throat> so there's that like aspect of it where it starts to feel casual and, you know, Arnold and uh, Tommy. Tommy were yep. both in the valley, like trying to do some speed climbing on the nose and they were down to like three hours, you know? So by the time we'd wake up and like eat and hang out and get our stuff get our stuff packed up and like maybe start leading the first pitch of the day, they would have it, done. theoretically already done the nose. Yep. 
right? <laughs> totally. And be like in the cafe, <laughs> yeah. you know, drinking coffee and yep. I don't know. Hot old fingerboarding you know, those, again. Yeah, he got right. those fingerboarding. real workout in. Yeah. Yep. So it, it's just weird. But then to all the people up there who are wall climbing like we are and like Team Anzac was, you know, it's suddenly this wild, serious business. Yeah. And even, you know, it's like the nose has got the train. You know, there's people on the nose. But their experience if they're climbing in that style with that experience level, it's the same. It's like, they're like, fuck, this is serious, you know? And, and it is, you know, people get hurt and get killed and, you know, so it's, it's a weird, uh, like paradox of both feeling like it's been dumbed down to casual. And then, you know, also this, we talked about that. The weird thing about it too, is feeling you're looking at, you know, traffic, like real life, city level traffic going on you know 2000 feet below you horns and beeping and you can sometimes hear the green dragon lady talking about el cap and all that stuff and yet you're just like well we're stuck here we're stuck here you know yeah. like yeah and, and that's a weird right thing yep you know and the, the helicopter yeah and the know, chopper one day they the i guess somebody fell off a, the dome. hike on half dome some uh, tourists slipped on that and died so we watched the chopper all day one day doing body recovery almost um, and or most of the day anyway, which is actually really nerve wracking yeah. that that sound of the chopper in the back of your head while you're climbing, um, but yeah. obviously necessary. Right. So anyhow, a lot, a lot of feels up yeah. there. On the uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Even after all my years, a lot of feels up there. Um, so... Anyhow, then we yeah. went to Bishop and went to Mule Days. Yep, that's right. Out. That's and, right. Uh, now we're in the desert and headed home to see my baby. Want a beer? You gonna call room service? We got beer. You hold beer up this rock, you're insane. I may be insane, but I'm not stupid. I didn't carry it. You did. It's in your pack.